0: Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your loving kindness. Thank you for living within our hearts. Please help us to turn to you at each and every moment. I ask that you be with Barbara in a very special way right now as she speaks your words and as she is your servant. Please be with our hearts and our minds. Please help us to be ready to receive the message that you have for each and every one of us. We love you so much, dear Jesus. Thank you for hearing and
1: answering our prayer in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jane. I have said it behind her back, in front of her, and I'll say it again. I was telling somebody this morning, Jane Harris is one of the best women's ministries director I've seen across the country. God has used her, is using her, and will use her in such a mighty way. You are so blessed to—we're blessed— to have her. Um, You have handouts, I hope everybody has a pen or a pencil because there will be assignments here but hopefully not too difficult. The other thing about the assignments, so you may want to move now, you may not but you're going to pair up with somebody so you don't have to do all these by yourself. So um, it may be a little uncomfortable if you don't know somebody but you know what we're going to get out of our comfort zone if needed and um, so look for someone to, um, that you'll tag with in a little bit. Um, I'm going to start with, um, since we started with prayer, then I can just go right into this. Um, these are called the positive side of life. Birthdays are good for you. The more you have, the longer you live. Ever notice that the people who are late are often more jovial than the people who wait for them? You may be only one person in the world, but you may also be the world to one person. And lastly, we could learn a lot from crayons. Some are sharp, some are pretty, some are dulls, some have weird names, and all are different colors, but they all exist very nicely in the same box. And that sort of introduces us into This woman of worth. I really, um, when Jane gave me this opportunity, I thought, whoo, okay, Lord, Um, because it is so important. But we have sometimes missed worthiness with pride, and they are not, they are not the same thing. So let's begin. A woman of worth, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eye saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came to be. That's how important you are to God. I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thought, and then made by God, is the dearest, grandest, and most precious thing in all thinking. That's what he, that's you. Um, When you are secure in who you are in Christ and his plan for you personally, you can rest in his will for you and his special calling for you. And most importantly is to know who you are in Christ. So that's the foundation of being a woman of worth, is what and who we are in Christ. You're unique, and I, after I actually got this, the North American Division has a site where the certification um, uh, training is on, so I looked at the sample one and then I went from there because I didn't want it to be all negative. So I took this and then I thought, well, this may work or may not work. How unique? You are. You were not made in Korea, except for those of you that were made in Korea. Um, (laughs) There is no made in Brazil label on you, unless, of course, that was true also. You were fashioned in the darkness of your mother's womb by God's hand, created for a purpose, destined to walk into the stage of the universe at this hour of Earth's history. It's not a mistake. You're not a mistake our elder daughter um, we were coming up to seminary and found out that we were expecting and um, that was not our timing to have a child but it happened so we have never ever shared this with her I mean why would you? We were in some family gathering, and I do not know, how, I don't know what possessed my husband, but he made the statement that, well, Christina was an accident. And I'm thinking, and I mean, you know, she's 40 years old now, so I mean, it happened a few years ago, so I mean, it's, and I'm going, she looks at me. Well, anyway, she wasn't a mistake. You're not a mistake. Maybe not t- the way we think. But haven't you noticed God's timing? It's perfect. So you are destined for now. God arranged your DNA and lined up your genes and chromosomes to make you the special person that you are. There is none other like you among the over 7 billion people living on the planet. That's just amazing to me. No one else has your distinct thumbprint, your distinct voiceprint, your special looks, your combination of gifts, personality, and experience. Jesus would have died had you been the only person to ever accept his love. Imagine that. The Savior would have passed through the agony of Calvary that you might be saved in his kingdom. A God of love gathered all the riches of the universe and laid them down that he might gain you a pearl of great price. He gave his only son to die on Calvary's cross to gain your salvation. To him you are of great worth. Okay, assignment one. So it's the second page in, and I did it front and back because I was trying to save as many trees as possible. So assignment one, there's a little inventory. And... um. You know what, could I have one of those just so I make sure I'm seeing everything that... Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I should have brought one back down with me. So, it says, begin to appreciate the way God has made you. Fill in the following inventory. And then you're going to just share with each other, and I'll tell you what you're going to share. Praise God for the unique person he made you to be. So, under each one... um, um, fill in at least it tells you three things for each one of those it's not going to be a test you're not turning it in if you come up with two I'm not going to check your paper but do that for just a few minutes now just to identify the first one is three leisure time activities you enjoy Think three things I do well this is always difficult for people to do. If I ask you to put down things that you don't do well, it's easier. But today we want you to concentrate on how valuable and worthwhile you are. So three things I do well, three achievements in my life, three positive adjectives that describe me, and three things that I like about my body and the way I look. And that one's always tough too. So if you take just a few minutes to do that, And then I'm going to have you uh, share with your partner one thing that you wrote down. If you are done, fine. And if there's three people that want to do it together, I have. (laughs) There's no certain real restrictions on this. But find somebody and just share one thing that you wrote down from each of the five categories so that you have to say it out loud or at least whisper it let's see if we can finish up in another minute maybe okay can we pull it back together again Um, Don and I have two daughters they're married and we have as Jane pointed out grandchildren four of them and they You know, we're still celebrities, so that's fun. (laughs) But um, I never tire of hearing girls or grown-up girls giggling and laughing with each other. And that's what I was hearing, and I love it. I think that's important for us to do that together, and we need each other. I hope you were able to identify some positive things, again, because then you can thank God for them. And use them for him. Um, I struggle with three things I do well. I I mean when I played with this myself it's very difficult. I also um, what I don't like is when you're in a group and they go so what hobbies you know do you have? I don't have any. (laughs) I don't so so I could start listing And I'm trying not to get into negatives, the don'ts. So my husband came up with, he said, you know, people are your hobby. You like people. I go, oh, thank you. So from now on, that's what I use. (laughs) But, um, you know, I I hope positive adjectives that describe you, friendly, smiling. I, I don't know what they are, but use them. Because there used to be a commercial, (laughs) dates me, long, long, long ago, and I think it was like Clairol, and it's hair color, but it was talking about, and it was some model or whatever, um, and she's pretty, of course, and she said, you know, I really can't take credit for my looks. I got it from my parents. And really, when you think about, instead of being a downer, be thankful for your gifts. I look like my dad, which could be a downer, but, um, but I have a smile. You know, so, so look at those things and celebrate them. All right. God has a plan for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You were created for a purpose. Have you discovered God's plan for your life? Have you discovered God's plan for this stage of your life? You know, it changes Um, with circumstances, with location, with age, with strength, courage, whatever. It changes, but God's plan does not change. Does that make sense? It may... um, go down this road and we'll talk about tapestry that he has weaved for each one of us but he still has one for you. You will always and forever be a woman of worth and God will always have a plan for you. And it may not be upfront stuff, it may be behind the scenes stuff and whatever it is, whatever God has gifted you with, you need to use it. Ask him to show you your potential. Ask him to make clear his plan and then go through with his grace and power and go for it. You know, don't let people discourage you. We have a lot of naysayers. And some of us are more easily discouraged, I think, than others from what other people say. But if you know God has called you to it, then he will see you through it in his strength. Okay, this is a big... God sees you as a winner. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands for you. Isn't that exciting to think that? God is celebrating. All right, so the woman of worth, again, a lot of it is talking about self-esteem. Not to be misunderstood as being prideful. So what is self-esteem? Self-esteem is how we value ourselves. It is how we perceive our value to the world and how valuable we think we are to others. Oh, that's not what I wanted to do. Self-esteem affects our trust in others, our relationships, our work, nearly every part of our lives. Positive self-esteem gives us the strength and flexibility to take charge of our lives and grow from our mistakes without the fear of rejection. Outward signs of positive self-esteem. And in a little bit, we're going to talk about poor self-esteem. And so you can only imagine the outward signs are just the opposite. But when you, when you know your worth in Christ, you don't have to blame other people or circumstances. You don't have to to think it's somebody else's fault. Does that make sense? You can take responsibility for, you, for it, but you don't have to... To put other people or blame them for whatever has happened in your life. Outward signs is also an ability to make mistakes and learn from them. I mean, we all make mistakes, it does not mean you're a failure. Um, an ability to s- accept mistakes from others. <laughs> Okay, that timing was perfect. (laughs) So does that mean I need to say it again? An ability to accept mistakes from others. (laughs) Boy, I usually don't hear an audible. (laughs) But it's so important because if we judge ourselves so harshly, we tend to do that with other people and have harsh expectations for ourselves makes us sometimes have harsh expectations from others. Signs outward of positive self-esteem is also less pessimistic and more optimistic. Of course, Don says the definition of a pessimist is an informed optimist, but I don't know. Um, An ability to solve problems. You don't get lost in the mire of a problem. You go to God And other people with wisdom at times to solve a problem, but you just don't give up and wallow in it. You look at opportunities. It also is the ability to trust others. It's hard in this day and age to trust other people because a lot of people have let us down. God is the only one who truly will never let us down. But we also have to trust in people. Um, You have to be wise. I understand that. And one of the hats I wear is child protection, and so I'm very strong on that about being wise. But you also have to trust. I have to trust Jane when I've asked her to do something. She has to trust me that I'm going to show up and do it. And if I don't, if I let her down, then we work that problem through. You also have to have the ability to say no. Women tend, oftentimes... (laughs) <laughs> okay, there's laughing going on. So, somebody's, um, Women especially tend to want to be pleasers, not all of us, but a lot of us. I'll leave it at that. And when you are trying to please people, which is also sometimes trying to get your self-worth from doing and being to all other people, it does not allow us to say no. I have a trou- hard time saying no. Um, speaking in front of people is very hard for me and I really thought okay is there anything else or anybody else that maybe could do this because I'm looking at you guys and this is my self esteem I'm sure I feel in my heart that each and every one of you could probably do a better job than I do here but you know what God asked me to do it through Jane and several years ago I made a deal with the Lord and I said if you ask me I will do it. But I think you also have to be able to say no at times so that you you are uh, filling the responsibility that God has called you to do, not everybody else's responsibilities. Does that make sense? Okay. What is low self-esteem? Well, low self-esteem can be a debilitating condition that keeps individuals from realizing their full potential. A person with low self esteem oftentimes feels unworthy and incompetent. God does not see you as unworthy. You are worthy. I just, I'm gonna, you're just gonna hear this over and over again because everything I read to me, this is the most important point to get across. Because of who God is, He created you. You are worthy to be His child and worthy. To do and be what he's called you to be. It's a problem among many women, off, at least that's what research says, oftentimes based upon them disliking their looks and their bodies. Okay, if on that sheet I had asked you things that you don't like about your body, it maybe would have taken longer and you certainly could have done it more quickly. At least I could have. I mean, I could easily, I don't like, well, I'll leave that alone. (laughs) I may touch on it later, depending upon the time. Um, Some blame the media. Others say it's just the outright sinful preoccupation we have with ourselves. All of the above, but they have caused women oftentimes to have a poor self-esteem because we've got this ideal outwardly, and we think we don't measure up. We can be certain that the negative body image is impoverishing the lives of women and girls across our nation and other parts of the world. I just had a a presentation, and it was talking about, again, girls. You know, we, we knew this years ago. It hasn't changed. Girls are still in many parts of the world, in our world trying to make up for lack of love from their dad in ways that are harmful and this message needs to be given to our kids from the very beginning and maybe especially our girls they are worthy not because of of their body image. Isn't that pitiful really when you think about it that we think our worth is because of this? It can be a perception given to us by others. The media, sometimes even our families, sometimes our maybe so called friends. Yes, please.
2: I worked in the automobile factory with men, mostly. Mm. And I looked
3: pretty good. I'm going to say that because when I did my hair, I wore my nice Mm -hmm. clothes. And men that were fat, slobs, would say awful things to the women in there and make us feel like.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. And the pain goes deep. And um, at worship this morning <laughs> it was talked about, be ye kind. I don't know why people... Well, yes, I do. It's really from their insecurity, their low self-esteem, that people do that to put... Anytime... And put-downs is coming up, but anytime we use put-downs is to elevate ourselves. But it does it does hurt, and it does damage, and we as Christians cannot do that to each other. But, um, but that... It is a contributing factor. It can be something that happened early in our lives. It can be a result from feeling rejected, whether by friends, family, spouse. Um, I have a, we have a friend who um, the sister has pretty much rejected her and she's a, a, a very accomplished. What you'd consider accomplished woman, but when this rejection happened, she said, "Now I don't know if 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 my sister rejects me how how can I trust other people? just as we were talking it's it goes deep, and then sometimes it can be a result of a broken trust. Outward signs of a low self-esteem is just the opposite of what uh, high self esteem, negative view of life, mistrusting others, blaming other people, fear of taking risks, and dependence, letting others make all the decisions, fear of being ridiculed. This dependence, you know, we need to be dependent upon God, submit every day. I, dying to self is <laughs> hopefully my mantra. But this dependence, letting others make all the decision, comes from, well then, if I don't make a wrong decision, I can blame the decision maker, this blaming behavior, so I didn't make the bad choice. You see how unhealthy that is? Now, if you're in a partnership, a marriage partnership, of course you work together, but. Just to be dependent can be very unhealthy, as I just said, because you're not doing it as submission, well, somewhat maybe, but it's oftentimes because you don't want to take responsibility and be blamed. The average woman spends two and a half years of her life washing, styling, cutting, coloring, crimping, and straightening her hair at home and in the salon. Salon was the word that came up, but I'm not sure how we use that anymore. But now, I'm telling you, I did my hair. I mean, I'm not standing in front of you without having done something, I guess, because I don't want you to see me without that Um, I almost put a quote in here, Mrs. White talks about, I I read it in one of the things that sometimes we need to do something and we should take care of ourselves even around the house because we look as scary as crows and we scare our children and family members, right? You've heard that? So I'm not saying we don't care and don't take care of ourselves because I think it's about respect for ourselves and others, but I just thought that was funny. We, we do spend a lot of time doing this. Okay, the average American woman is 5 feet 4 inches tall and weighs 140 pounds. The average American model is 5 feet 11 and weighs 117 pounds. You know, years and years ago, when I was a kid, the Barbie doll came out and everybody was talking about how horrible she is. Well, it's almost mild to what has come out now, but it's still this idea that this is the ideal, and we need to, to be there, And you know what? We don't. Americans had 10.2 million plastic surgery procedures done in 2005, and it was cosmetic. According to one study, one study, 80 percent of Americans are dissatisfied with their appearance. Now, I have to self-talk and we'll talk about voices and self-talk in a minute, but I have to self-talk because sometimes I think... I don't like the way I look, or I don't like this or that about me. You know, I'm not saying, but then I think, you know what? That is not what is important, is my outside. It's my inside. I just constantly self talk. It's how I treat people. It's, and I don't think I have time, but I was going to read the fruits of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. That's what really counts. Okay, true success. Dave Thomas of Wendy's, he started as a busboy at age 15. He went his short order crook in the war. He bought some uh, failing Kentucky Fried Chicken um, uh, restaurants. And then at the age of 35, he became a millionaire with Wendy's. But he says, when you read his autobiography, he says success starts on the inside, And that's what we're talking about, being honest, living your faith, not wearing it on your sleeve, treating people right. Truly successful people are those who help others cross the finish line. And you maybe have heard this story, but it is one of my very, very favorites. Um, If, of course, I can find it here. The story is told of one young man set to run in a 100-meter race in the Special Olympics. He had trained for months and months, but when the gun finally sounded and he leaped out in front of the rest, it seems the excitement of the race overcame him. Each foot went in different directions, and the well-meaning athlete came tumbling right down in front of the starting block. The other racers, each as eager as he was to compete in this great event, nevertheless stopped running their own race and turned back to help him. The crowd came to their feet as his, uh, as his competitors lovingly lifted him up and then walked arm in arm across the finish line. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the world would be like this race, that nobody would win until we all do? Then the people who cross the finish line first would be motivated to turn back to help the other. And that is true success. That is what it means to be a Christian. That is what it means to be a woman of worth. And then, of course, the golden rule that we find in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six 36 to 39, when um, the young man came and you know, asked Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When I was working on this um, woman of worth in service, that last line took a new meaning to me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Most of the time I have looked at it as, you know, I'm pretty good to myself so I need to treat my neighbor nicely too, right? But when you think about this in the context of a woman of worth, your value, how you see yourself in God's eyes, then love your neighbor as yourself, to me, brings on a different meaning. God wants you to love yourself because he created you and he made you the way you are. Does that make sense? I don't know, it just I loved that thought of that. Um, And then, of course, you would love your neighbor that way. You would see the best in them. You would care about them. You would put yourself out for them, but you would never put them down like we do ourselves at times. What a lovely picture of success, of high worth and high esteem. All nature joins in applauding what God is able to do through his people. You are God's woman. That is a picture of your success. God has a very special part for you to play, a part of the script that he has planned for you from the time you were nestled in the warmth of your mother's womb, your individual tapestry. And I wish we had time, because this, to me, testimonies is the highlight of any meeting. But if we had the opportunity and went around to each and every one of you, you would be able to share this tapestry that God has created for you. He has for me It's it's humbling when you see where maybe you started and where God has brought you. Um, Don and I will be down at Indiana Camp Meeting this Sabbath, and they have asked us to have the um, eleven o'clock sermon, and um, uh, it's to promote Seventh Day Adventist education um, because I was not raised a Seventh Day Adventist. I There's a whole lot to it, but I went to La Sierra as a non-Seventh-day Adventist. I was born and raised in Southern California. And it was as a freshman they required all of us to take introductions to Seventh-day Adventist beliefs. So why would I be here today sharing this with you? It's incredible, the tapestry that God has created for me. But he's done that for each of you. You are so valuable to him. I just love it. I wish I could hear all your stories. False standards for success. Self-esteem. Possessions, performance, position, people, and appearance. And in this world, I feel so sad for the, the people in the movie stars, especially this, the young ones, and then as they grow up. Their whole self-esteem has been founded in what they look like, what they do, how good they are, and how much they have. Well, I'll speak for myself. I've noticed since I was a teenager, I'm certainly not as outwardly pleasing in my appearance as I was at 16. I mean, things are just not nice like they used to be. <laughs> They're not where they used to be, you know, all of that. But, but if my self-esteem or your self-esteem was tied to that, Then when that goes away, because it does go away, I mean, you see some of these ladies who have had so much plastic done or whatever on their faces, they don't even look real anymore. My heart aches for them because that's where they thought they get their value. It's not. Sometimes we measure our success or self-worth by what. Do I have? How well do I do it? How important am I? How do I look? What do people think about me? Success from the worldly standpoint becomes a way of proving that I am special, that I have worth and value, and it's not true. Um, I had to early on in our ministry come to grips with that I don't sing and I don't play the piano. Now, I wish I did. So those of you that do, I mean, I took piano for six years when I was a kid. But then not being raised in the church really affected that And going to our schools because I gave it up for more important things. Nah, but I did. So I don't have those. And I had to come to grips with, you know, oh, pastor's wife, can you come play the piano? No. (laughs) You know, so we all have these issues in our lives Okay, this really dates me, but I had to use it. There was a movie put out by the Mormons in 1969 called Johnny Lingo. You can YouTube it now. Um, and it was, it's a self-esteem movie. And then when I looked at clips of it again, I thought, well, it's not necessarily maybe the self-esteem that I want to get across. Because there's, they Islanders. Have any of you ever seen it? Okay, then you... <laughs> So they're islanders in this, um, what would appear to be a very homely, scrawny, young lady who people, she hid because she cowered, because she had such poor self-esteem. Well, one of the more handsome young villagers went away, but he always said he was going to come back because he was going to marry her. And people thought, no, he's not going to do that because, you know, she's outwardly, you know. Not so good looking. He came back, and then and it was a barter between he and his dad. I I think I've got the story pretty well. And most men paid two cows for their wife; they were a two cow wife. Well, Johnny Lingo came back, and he paid eight cows for his wife. So they go off, and the end of the movie shows because he he elevated her self-worth in the villagers' eyes and her own. She is outwardly uh, self-confident and and looks much better. And I I was going to use that, and then I thought, no, that's really not the message we want to get across. But that is a message that the world has given us, that if somebody else sees some value in us, then we are now valuable. No, none of that makes a difference. Twins in elementary school, you know, how do you look? They were not um, identical. They were fraternal. And one, outwardly, as I remember it as a kid, one was as, as cute as can be, and the other one uh, struggled with that more. But you know which one we liked better and actually grew to think was better looking? Why? Why? because the one who was outwardly maybe born with cuter features or whatever did not develop anything else other than that. The one who um, had a personality becomes better looking. Have you noticed that in your friends and things like that? So again, it's not how we see ourselves and how others see it. Okay, this is where I was going to say before. Okay. I know we're not supposed to do this, but I can from up front. I don't like my chin. There are other things I don't like, but I don't like my chin. I've never liked my chin. Okay, I'm just saying, and now you're going to want to look at my chin, and I'm going to be self-conscious of it and all of that. But Don, from the very beginning when we dated, he says I, he likes my chin. I'm going, are you kidding? It's so, it's so, it's, I'm just saying sometimes those features or the things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves, for whatever reason, can become attractive to somebody else. Have you? To me, that's a perfect example, because I still don't like it, and he still teases me that he likes my chin. Um, <laughs> but sometimes how we see ourselves is not how others see us, is where I am going with that. God factor. In Acts 3, 1 through 8, Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame from his father's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple in order to beg alms for those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking for alms, alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to get um, and he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, "I don't possess silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, of the Nazarene walk." And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were straightened. Okay, did you notice the God factor in verse six? "Silver and gold, I do not have, but what I have. I give you. I don't play the piano. I don't sing. But hopefully what I have I have given him. Peter gave the beggar a gift but it was not what he expected. They couldn't give money because they had none to give. They were broke. Instead they gave what they possessed, the power of God to heal. We cannot give to others what we do not possess. God does not expect us to give to others what he is not First, given to us. Our success as a Christian woman is according to how the Lord has gifted us. Use your talent, you possess. The woods would be very silent, and this one I like for myself, if no birds sang except those that sang best. Isn't that true? Okay, we need to stop looking to others for what kind of woman we shall be and begin to recognize the worth of the woman God has created us to be. Christian self-esteem begins with that sense of worth and uniqueness which comes from our position in Christ. We are already special, created in His image, and loved with an everlasting love. Success then becomes a striving to be all that God has already gifted me to become. Success is reaching toward my full potential in Jesus Christ. It is finding my place in His plan. The next slide has a square grid. We're going to do it really, really fast because we've got about 15 more minutes. All right, so quickly, and you can do it, count how many squares you immediately see. We're not going to spend very much time on this at all. And then when somebody has it, let me know how many you think you see. 25, 25, what else? 20, 24, anybody see more than 25? 26, okay, now you get to see it. Okay, here we go. Count the squares. Only because I know the answer. 30. An in-depth look reveals almost twice as many as your first casual glance. A lot of people see like 17. That's true of the square and it's true of your life. You have tremendous possibilities. God has placed within you possibilities for success. Your potential is God-given and he is waiting to help you develop it to his glory. Okay, assignment two and you get to work with partners again. Um, List, and we'll be limited on how much time we're gonna do on this, but I think it's kind of, I thought it was kind of fun activity. List Bible women who project an image of self-esteem. So write their name and then describe their action that makes you think they possess high self-esteem. And I'm gonna ask for just a couple examples from the audience, so go ahead and work on that just for the next five minutes. couple more minutes and then I'll ask some people just to share. It was kind of fun for me to think through some Bible characters. I have come to the conclusion over the years, and it's been many years, that I think a lot of people who are like Jezebel actually, this is my opinion, are, don't think as highly of themselves. And they do some of those things to make other people think more highly of them. Do you know what I mean? So, because I think sometimes um, we talked about um, conceited people. I think most whatever would be conceited people are people with poor self-esteem. Because if you truly feel good about yourself, I mean, think, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable and at peace with myself, I don't have to prove it to somebody else. So, but that's good. Thank you so much. Any others? That—that's an interesting thought, and it's true. Okay, here and then. Uh, I had Deborah. Um, okay.
2: she basically told the men, "Suck it up. Let's go." meet um, <laughs> these people. And then that one woman—I can't remember her name—but she lured the king into her tent and then drove a stake through his head. <laughs> Um, she knew what was right, and she was going to make it happen, even if the men were afraid to do it.
1: Strong women, exactly. Go girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I have two favorite
3: women, and some people might not feel like they had a lot of self worth. But I'll just give you one of them: Ruth. Mm. And the mm-hmm. reason I believe that is because she might have came across maybe quite meek, but she wasn't. She was a very strong woman inside. She stayed with her mother-in-law, and she just received blessings upon blessings, but she did what was right, and to me, uh, the person who's doing what's right really has Mm self-worth, regardless. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it took a lot for her to leave her country to do that. Any others? Esther going before the king. Esther going before the king. I mean, she definitely had to... Know who she was in God. Another one back here
2: Mary: Oh, Mary, Jesus' mother, you know, as a young girl, I mean, that's when I thought. To have yeah. to stand up and go against your culture and, you know, do, you know, mm-hmm. become the mother of God's son when it was such a, a no-no back then, I and mean, yeah. you could get yourself killed doing that. You know, I mean, not yeah. that she she did it herself, but, you yeah. know, I mean, that was a brave thing for her to do, and she was humble, and she mm-hmm. was submissive, mm-hmm. and she was, she was brave.
1: She was, and, and she confident was in very, the Lord. Yes, very yes. confident in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I also thought of Abigail. I mean, she, you know, she went before... <laughs> David and apologize for her husband, and I mean, so there are lots. We're going to go on, but I just thought that was kind of an interesting activity. Oh, is there another one? Absolutely, don't want to cut anybody off.
2: Abigail, she helped David, even though her husband said no. So she faced his um, ridicule Mm -hmm. by doing that.
1: And in that culture, at that time. Those were uh, probably m- a more difficult choice. Did you have one too, the lady in the purple? Okay. Oh. Rahab.
4: Because she was brave. She was. You know, her life was good, you know, and her family's life were in danger, but she's, she, knew she had to do the
1: right thing to do the science, and she was She was True. That's a good point. Um, Yeah, that's a whole other avenue almost to think about. So part of um, this high self-esteem is uh, being brave to do the right thing at times. Okay. Turn off the negative tapes. Silent voices in your heads telling you that you can't succeed. You don't have what it takes. You are always doing such dumb things. Do you hear yourself? I'm not going to ask. No raising hands. But sometimes that comes up. We use this kind of self-talk to ourselves. Uh, One of the kindergartners, when I was principal in Oregon, the kindergarten teacher came up to me and she said, oh, no, she said, the kids are saying, um, one of the kids came to her and said, "Ah, so-and-so is using the S word. And we're going, oh, no, you know. Well, it was stupid because we didn't allow that word. So I don't like the word dumb or stupid, but we do self-talk. You know, like when you're driving and you do something, we do this. You'd forget your head if it weren't attached. If we hear these tapes playing on our heads, we can be sure that those thoughts are not coming from God, because God doesn't think you're dumb. You know, but I mean, I do these things too, but I think when they come to our minds, we need to ask him, to, to help us with those because we are valued. We need to tune into his voice of acceptance, hope, and great possibilities. Tune into Christ's message of hope. He died to make your success possible. He has a plan for your life, a plan to help you to achieve your goals and not to harm you. Put-downs, okay. Put-downs should be avoided at all times. We show our respect by the way we talk about others and ourselves. Don't ever excuse. use the excuse Well, that's just the way I am. Or the one I can't stand, boys will be boys or girls will be girls. Oh, well, that's just the way girls are, gossiping and stuff like that. No. Christian girls, women, are not that way. We can choose not to be that way. Obviously, I get a little passionate here because I feel so strongly that we don't excuse hurtful things that we do to each other. Girls and women in that, well, that's just the way we are. No. As somebody said, just stop it. Okay. Um, be a bearer of hope. Be a bearer of hope. John, Pastor John Ortman says, I love this, be a hope bearer, not a hope bandit. Every conversation you have with someone either fills them up with a little hope or drains a little of it away. That includes your spouse, your children, and your friends. David could say, when everyone had turned against him, but I encouraged myself in the Lord my God. Sometimes that's the only way you're going to be able to encourage yourself or be encouraged. By encouraging yourself in the Lord, you can give hope to yourselves and others. I thought this was a neat idea. You know what? If you tend to need encouragement, then make an encouragement box. Items you can include in that. Special cards or letters that you have saved, Uh, sections from your prayer journal. You know, you can make a copy and put it in there of answered prayers, a photo of someone special to you, a scripture that's been particularly encouraging to you, Uh, small mementos that remind you of a pleasant or inspirational moment, Um, mementos or certificates that remind you of achievements in your life, your child's ID bracelet that you have. from That's an accomplishment, if that is. There are many others. An encouragement box is not an ego trip. It is a way to get a more objective view of yourself, to see your good points and successes, a way to express gratitude and thanks, and always balance time spent in your encouragement box with time spent with God. All right. Um, I'd really like to do this one. We're five minutes, but I think this is more important. So spend a few minutes. You don't have to share with your partners, but take four minutes, and I'll finish up quickly after that, with circling in this assignment three the gifts that you have or that other people have noticed you have. Because again, I know this is hard for us, but it's good to identify the gifts that God has gifted you with. And um, so go ahead and just work on that for a few minutes. I really want you to take this with you and, and... resonate with it and maybe even work on it at another time. Well, I shop for other people. Don't you think that can be a gift? I have a gift closet. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> you what? Oh, you do? Oh, I thought it was 10:45. Okay, so then we can go over a little bit. Okay, okay. Sorry, you're stuck here a little bit longer. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, well then we'll just, I'll give you two more minutes. (laughs) And maybe we will let you share with your partner. Oh, good, Janie, thank you. I wasn't sure. We won't go that long, but maybe... And if there's something on the, that you're gifted with and it's not on the list, please write it in. And I think one of the important parts of this activity is share how you use these to serve and uplift others or how you would like to in the future. I think that's important, not just to identify, but how God has used you and will use you. And since we have time, I may ask if anybody wants to share. Okay. Anybody willing to share with the group? Or maybe if you get your partner's permission to share their gift and how they have or would like to use this gift in the future? Anybody willing? Okay, Barb. Oh, wait. We need a microphone, yes? Hey, if I
4: have to use. It. <laughs> well, I just think it's really neat. Pat won't share, but I made fun of your of shopping on your list. So then she told me that that's the role she plays at her church. That whenever they're out of things, that she's the shopper, and they know she'll get a good price. And uh, so it is a gift. It is, and she's using it for the Lord. I think that's neat.
1: Thank you. That's a ex- yes. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. saving money may not be on there, but I think that can be a gift. A bargain hunter, maybe, or whatever, right? Which most of us are a lot of us are.
3: Because of my background, I didn't have much experience in doing too many of the things that are on your list. But where the Lord has placed me in life, through all the experiences I have gone through, he has helped me learn to do many things. And I think each one of us is where we're placed in this world that God puts us in situations that he can help us learn some
1: different skills. Thank you. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anybody else?
4: i got hospitality. I've been told that that's one of my gifts. And friendship, I love to decorate, thoughtfulness, I love people, organizing. And leadership. Hmm. And I love to smile at people. I carry a big smile.
1: Thank you. And, you know, we briefly talked about it. And, like I said, worship actually talked about it. But smiling doesn't cost you anything, everybody can do it, everybody has one. And it's also like being kind you know, you don't have to have money. You don't have to have talent, you don't have to have degrees, you don't have to you don't have to have things you just can be kind or or smiling at people and you know it really makes a difference. Don and I have the privilege of going into many churches across the union, and it is a privilege it's really fun but and it actually, it truly wasn't here. It was in Oregon, so I can tell this story. But everybody has their spots, or oftentimes people have their spots in church, and and so Don, you know, is in the. They call him into the back, you know, for prayer and getting ready to go on the platform to preach. And I'm sitting in the pew, and I just have this uncomfortableness a little bit. It just so I don't think. I don't think they audibly said anything, but I just felt it. So I kind of turned around and I said, you know, good morning, and there was not really much of a response. And I said, am I sitting in your seat? They said, yeah. (laughs) So I was so glad it was me because the good part about it is I tell the story. Just not to put people down, but just um, I was just so glad it was me Then it was not a visitor because I said, I am so sorry. I said, I will gladly move. And I did, and they were fine with it. They wanted me actually to move. (laughs) So the gift of kindness and smiling and friendliness, you know. um, Okay, I'm going to tell another one because she told me I have more time. We were at an evangelistic series. Sorry, I know I'm doing more of the talking I really want to hear from you But we were an evangelistic series And it was early on when Don was president out there in Oregon And so we were on a So we just, you know, moved into a row The lady next to me started gossiping About the pastors and stuff who were baptizing Okay, she does not know who I am even if she did, I don't know if that's worse or better, but she didn't know who I was. So we're sitting there, and she is talking about this. And I'm thinking, I'm trying, I'm trying to ignore her without being totally... Re- I mean, it was, a, it was a very uncomfortable place to be sitting and to be experiencing. So somewhere down the line, I don't know how far it came, but I could just see these little heads kind of turning and things being said. And it finally gets to her, and she stops. So I'm, the next conversation, I'm pretty sure somebody down there said who we were, and so she stopped. That actually made it even worse to me, (laughs) because you mean you do this to a stranger, you would do this to, it could be a family member if somebody's being baptized. So, sorry, I'm there's a lot of good things in Oregon that we experience. I can just use them as a negative because, just because. Um, but these things are so important. The gift of a woman of worth does not treat people like that. Somebody had another talent here or gift. a story about
2: a stranger coming, and I remember one time when we got a new pastor and his wife when they come. We have fellowship dinner every week. And when they came down for fellowship dinner, they and we have the tables arranged so it's all a big block and everybody can sit around and talk to everybody. And then there's one extra table for overflow. And they purposely sat at that extra table mm. by themselves because they didn't know if they were welcome to sit with the group. That sad. Oh, we need to, yeah. and this yeah. was our new pastor. And yeah. so we need to be careful about how we relate to people. Like you said, a lady talking to you.
1: There's one in the back. Yeah, as it, Mike is going back, we individually can choose to change that climate and that culture and how we behave.
5: You know, a lot of times, this is a really hard assignment for me, a lot of times you mm. don't see in yourself really mm-hmm. anything good or good. Mm -hmm. but yesterday I had an experience I was in the tent um, the exhibit tent and someone came up to me and she was telling me about her husband that is dying and Mm. I had worked with this woman in community services and she's a lovely lady just really kind and her her and her husband are farmers and they're just the salt of the earth and so she was telling me about thanking me for a letter that I had sent her Mm. years ago um, encouraging her and I don't remember doing that I don't remember what I said Um, But I do love to write, and I love to um, communicate, Mm -hmm. so I was so happy to hear her say that, and she said, you are always so encouraging, and I thought, I don't look at myself that way, and I don't really, you know, feel like that, but when somebody tells you something good Mm -hmm. about yourself, doesn't Mm -hmm. that just make you want to be more of that? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that last night, thinking, I really want to be more of an encourager, So um, sometimes we just need to say what we see in each other and let people develop that.
1: Oh, thank you for segueing into that. And I think with our young people, we need to see these great qualities in them and identify it in them because it is encouraging. It's not about false pride. It's about encouraging each other in the Lord to do good and to do more good. I don't know. I just looked at this. I don't have, like, anything about sending cards, do I? Okay. Writing letters. letters. Okay. Sending cards, though, thank you notes, just those are huge. I didn't realize until years after my mom passed away that she did that to so many people. I didn't know she did it. But I had people come up and say, oh, your mom never forgot my birthday and da-da-da. Those... What we might consider little things are big things to people, especially some hurting people. Anybody else want to share? Oh, thank you. This has been good. Yes. Sorry. So you're getting your steps in.
3: My husband just died. We have one member from the church. She's fairly new. And because of my experience, my husband died on... I think seventeen years ago, and um, and the grief, you know, that they have, uh, they don't even want to speak to anybody. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I think it's you know the Lord send, always send you to someone to um, yes to touch their heart and uh, for some reason she don't want to speak to anybody. We we we're, we're not even the Close the first time at church, but um, for some reason she was so become close to me, and um, and um, it helps her. And she she don't even want to talk to anybody. And um, I put some time. I work six days a week, and and uh, it's so hard for me. I want to put more time to help her, but. I will call her, you know, if I can't come. I will call her and talk. Ah. And then now she it's kind rich. of opened up now to uh, other sisters, you know. Um, we invited some people to her home, and, and now she's starting to invite uh, other women to her Praise house, the, the elderly, and like that. So, um, what she said, you know, our experience in our life will really uh, have a big factor. To touch other
1: people's life. thank you and that's such a good point to remind each of us that when we've had challenges in our lives we can sometimes because of those challenges Don and I each have had cancer we can talk to somebody else who has had cancer and hopefully give them hope it's been 33 years for Don it's been Um, almost 16 years for me. Um, And you have to know your timing because if it's just tender, they go, well, why you and not me? And I mean, all that gets mixed up there. For years, Don never talked about his cancer experience from up front because we didn't want it to be about him or discouraging. But The Lord gave him then a message to be an encourager. So that is we can all also be encouragers anybody else before we go on thank you so oh yeah one more thank you um, i went to
4: a new church recently and this church was that very friendly mm-hmm. and i am a friendly person and it just really bothered me so i got to be the head of um, this greeters <laughs> <laughs> and so I've got 32 greeters at our church because we have three doors. And I pick out the ones that got the big smile and the personality and for the greeters. And the church has done such a turnover that people Great. think that we're the friendliest church around. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, it was a thing I had to do. Mm-hmm. And the Lord says, do it far. go ahead because i didn't want to have any position but i wanted that church to be friendly and it is now okay.
1: and he used your gifts and your talents to make a difference and that's thank you so much um just a couple things here on how to handle disappointment sometimes which goes a little bit with what we're I was talking about with the cancer. Sometimes God trains by bringing to us disappointments and what some may think is as a failure. I told you already I did not grow up a Seventh-day Adventist. When I was young, everything my dad touched turned to gold. When, um, when my family—I was baptized in January, and nine months later, my folks and my brother were baptized— but my mom, before even I went to La Sierra, had been doing some reading. A neighbor, when I was a baby, sent Signs of the Times. It's this tapestry, which I don't have time to, but all of us have a tapestry. But when Sabbath, because my dad uh, and mom, it was a seven-day-a-week work that they did, um, everything he started touching turned to coal. I mean, bought a, a standard oil Uh, distributorship you know gas stations and trucks and all that that's when the prices went down I mean it was one thing after another but daddy before he died we talked about it again it was in that what you would see as a disappointment or even a failure for a man his age God used it for him to realize his need of God So um, it's always God's purpose that we learn from our mistakes and difficulties. It builds trust. It allows us to grow our faith. It's okay to struggle with God. God, I don't understand this. You know, just like Jacob, I don't understand it, but I'm hanging on until I get a blessing. I'm hanging on to you. It's okay to struggle with him, just not against him. And when we do, we often get a bigger and deeper picture of, his will for our lives always take the high road I'm sure if we went around again just about everybody's had some kind of disappointment and you can either wallow in it you can blame other people you can let it discourage you or even through tears say God I am going to trust you that you have a better thing for me and he does prayer is indispensable. Instead of running to the phone, I love this. I thought it was great. We should run to the throne. You know, sometimes we run to the phone and complain to somebody or whatever. Not that you don't need friends. I'm not. But I think the first thing is that we need to run to the throne of God. Okay, going forward, and I'm not going to do all of this. The journey toward healthy self-esteem starts with God. And all these are different examples of people of how they went forward. Spending time with God, whether the Bible is out on the coffee table and you read it every time you go by or whatever. Spending time with God. Make a difference for him. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. Make a difference for him. You too are a woman of excellence, a woman of high worth. God sees you as a woman of great value. He created you for a purpose and he died to make your life possible. You are a daughter of the King. You too can stretch toward your full potential in him. You too can grow to become all that God has meant you to be. You are a woman of worth and excellence, not because of who you are, but because of who he is in you. Don and I were not able to, we actually planned to come up here last weekend. He has uh, an uncle that lives in Sawyer, which is not far from Berrien Springs. His uncle went to Adventist schools, but has not been a practicing Seventh-day Adventist since then. I'm not sure he even was then, but he did, you know. And there's a lot of things in there too, but we have, Uncle Lauren is his name, and we have uh, recently, um, established a relationship with him, and we go see him. And he now will let Don pray with him and stuff. Well, his his wife died, and the family, his stepkids, and he, invited Don to do the service, which uh, we were honored and surprised. But so last Sabbath we afternoon we met with the family to find stories about. His wife, Jean, so it would help Don for Sunday service. And then Sunday we had um, the memorial service. And <laughs> Don in about 15 minutes, because Uncle Lauren kept saying, keep it short, keep it short. So in about 15 minutes, Don covered Genesis to Revelation. (laughs) But because he was talking to, you know, mostly non-Christians and all. But the reason I'm telling you that is because that's why we missed being here, but we wanted to be here. So Sabbath evening when we got home, we listened to Sean Boonster's live streaming. It really works. It's better to be here, but we were here as best we could be. I loved what he was sharing, Sabbath, and earlier we heard his sermon too. Um, that that isn't easy for him to get up front. Okay, you know, most of you know who Elder Morris Vendon, right? Okay, he's the most introvert he was the most introverted person I've ever known in my life. He was our pastor at La Sierra when I was there. My folks after they got baptized, I told you I look like my dad, I talk like my dad, I have his personality. So he Sort of out is outgoing, was outgoing, and so they took my dad. They went out a a door to door, passing out literature. Right? They paired my dad up with Elder Venden. Elder Venden had my dad go to the door. Okay. Elder Venden knows everything. My poor dad, his you know knowledge was a baby. Right? It was so hard for. Elder Vinden to get up and preach, and yet when he got in that pulpit, the Holy Spirit took over, and it was powerful. I feel the same way with Sean. It was powerful, but when he said he really doesn't like to do that, he has to pray about it, and I'm thinking, really? Because that's where I am, you know? So if he can do it, and trust me, if I can do it, if God calls you to be up front then be up front. If he calls you to be behind the scenes, then do that. But he will give you the power. The last assignment that I think um, I'm going to finish up and then we may go back to is, because you may want to do this on your own, but write out a prayer or your thoughts to God. Let him know that you want to live for him. Let him know that you want to follow his plan for you. Let him know your fears and dreams. Let him know what you've heard him calling you to do or to be for him. Let him know that with all your heart you believe I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I loved this quote from Irma Bombeck. I entitled it Make Me a Servant because I just think it says, I know it's not a text, but it's very meaningful. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. Isn't that powerful? That's what a woman of worth is. She's used by God and she submits to God and she takes courage in him. The Women's Ministries Department of the North American Division, Lake Union, Michigan, we all have a passion that in your church, each woman finds a ministry, finds a way to experience and share God's grace. In the desire of ages, there is no limit to the usefulness of one who, by putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon her heart, and lives a life wholly concentrated to God. So I'm ready to end there, and you can take that assignment sheet and do it at another time, or you can sit here and you know do it now. There's no... But I think it's important for you to, as an educator in me, make an action plan. Talk to God. Find out... And there may be something right now that he's calling you to that you are kind of thinking, mm, I don't think I want to do it you know what? Ask him. Ask him to make it abundantly clear. And then what he does, ask him to give you the courage and the power to do it. So thank you so much.
0: Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful day and this beautiful time that you have given to us. Help us to know that we are worthy through you and help us to use our talents for you. And to be ready and willing to be your servants, your disciples, whenever you choose to use us. Mm -hmm. Help us to always be ready for you. We love you and we thank you. And now I ask that you give Barbara a safe trip back to home. And as they do some more traveling together as a couple, please be with them and guide them and protect them. And we thank you so much. Be with us at camp meeting Help us to keep receiving the blessings that you have in store for us. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen.
4: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.